With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome in. Friday edition Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. As well, your car's needs now come with a reward. With the AutoZone Rewards Program, spend $20 five times and earn a $20 reward. So sign up today. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Sometimes we have fun. Sometimes we do ridiculous things. Sometimes we chase the biggest story of the day that everybody's talking about. Other times, find a story that I think is massive that isn't getting that much attention. And I say, you know what? I want to bring this to the Outkick Army here. I want to take this to all 50 states, Sirius XM Channel 83, I want to make everybody a little bit smarter. And that has been the case with a story that I believe is a little bit under the radar. And even though it is potentially the biggest sports story of the 21st century, I bet you haven't heard hardly anybody talk about this. And what I want to discuss is sports gambling. Now, right now, Unless you're in the state of Nevada, and many of you are in Nevada, hello Nevada, good morning to you, you are not able to go out and legally bet on a NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, any sport out there contest. Now you may have a bookie, you may have on your phone, it's set up so you go into an offshore and you easily place a bet from your phone. But those are illegal acts. Right now, you are violating American law if you have a bookie and you're betting on sports or if you have an offshore account and you're going in and betting on sports there. That isn't permitted. The only place you can walk into a physical location and place a bet on an outcome in a sporting event other than horse racing in this country, maybe dog racing too, is Nevada. 
So the other 49 states, the rest of you out there listening right now, if you aren't in Nevada, then you don't have the ability to bet on sports. Now, why is that? A lot of people ask that question. A lot of people don't even think about it. But a lot of you do think about it. You say, wait, wait a minute. Why can I go into 44 different states and buy a lottery ticket right now? Scratch off lottery ticket, mega millions, whatever you want to call it. 44 different states right now allow lottery tickets. And crazily, many pro sports teams will actually license their logos to scratch off lottery tickets. Go Google it if you don't believe me. Right now, I live in Nashville. I can go buy a scratch-off lottery ticket sponsored by the Tennessee Titans, but I can't go out and bet on who I think is going to win between the Titans and the Raiders in week one of the NFL season. I can't bet on whether or not I think Marcus Mariota is going to win the MVP or whether or not I think the Titans are going to have an over-under of nine and a half on their season win total. I can't do that legally. Now, again, a lot of you are betting on your favorite teams or teams that you just think are good bets illegally, but unless you're in Nevada, you can't do that. The NFL is incredibly hypocritical. They play games in London where you can bet right outside of the football stadium. They play games soon in Las Vegas where you're going to bet right outside of where the Raiders play. But the sports gambling universe in this country has been fundamentally broken. Well, six years ago, New Jersey looked at this situation and said, this doesn't make any sense. You may be asking yourself, why is the existing law as it is? Well, back in 1992, George Bush Sr. signed a law called the PASPA. Basically disallowed sports gambling anywhere but where sports gambling was legal at that moment. And so as a result, you haven't been able to bet on sports anywhere other than Nevada because of this 1992 law. Well, six years ago, New Jersey, to their credit, said, man, we've got Atlantic City here. And Atlantic City is losing money hand over fist. Moreover, we got a lot of people in the New York area on the East Coast who might come to Atlantic City and bet on sports. And instead, they're either betting illegally or they're getting onto planes and they're flying all the way to Las Vegas where they can walk in and place any bet that they want. And New Jersey said, that doesn't seem very fair to us. We feel like we should be able to allow our citizens to bet on sports if we want to allow them to. And so they initially said, we're going to allow it. They got shot down. They decided to have a referendum. Everybody in the state of New Jersey, where many of you are listening right now, can make the decision to bet on sports or not. We're going to let the voters go to the polls and decide. And over 60% of New Jersey residents said, yes, we want to allow sports gambling. And so then New Jersey passes that law. They immediately get sued. People say this is a violation of the 1992 prohibition on sports gambling. And they lose all the way up to the Third Circuit. The Third Circuit is the highest court in New Jersey other than the Supreme Court. So they appeal to the Supreme Court seeking relief, seeking an overturning of the Third Court decision, seeking an opportunity to be allowed to make the decision that inside the state of New Jersey, New Jersey can allow its citizens to bet on sports. And what happens? The odds of the Supreme Court taking your case are really low. The odds of the Supreme Court deciding a sports case that matters is even lower. In fact, 
the two most significant sports cases side, uh, decided by the Supreme Court in the modern era, and I'm defining modern era as meaning like in the last 40 years or so, are the Kurt Flood case, which essentially opened up free agency in sports. It allowed baseball players to go out and make a lot more money and opened up free agency in sports. And the other one, which is fascinating, is 1983, the Supreme Court heard an appeal by the University of Oklahoma and by Georgia of a restriction on the number of games that were allowed to be broadcast on television. A lot of you don't know this because you're young or you just didn't pay attention at the time, but did you know that the NCAA used to control all televised football rights in this country and that they used to limit the number of games that could be shown? So if you're wondering, like, how in the world did we get to a place where basically every college football game is on television in this great smorgasbord of a Saturday where games kick off at noon Eastern and basically go till about 3 a.m. Eastern all over the country, and every game is on all day long. How did that happen? Well, it's because in 1983, the Supreme Court said that the NCAA was violating antitrust law by restricting how many games could be shown on television. And that's actually the ruling that unleashed all of the power that exists in major college conferences now. Before that Supreme Court ruling... Every school sold its rights together. After that ruling, the individual conferences got the right to go out to the market and sell all their individual games. And so the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, that's what set off the big conference era is the ability of all these individual conferences to start selling their games. Well, those are two massive Supreme Court decisions that changed the structure of our sporting life. I'm telling you right now, this sports gambling case that New Jersey appealed to the Supreme Court is going to be the next one. And so when New Jersey appeals this ruling from the Third Circuit to the Supreme Court, they're seeking the ability to allow their residents to bet on sports. You know what happened? New Jersey got a writ of certiori. What does that mean? That means that four Supreme Court justices went out and said, we want to hear this case. So this coming season, probably in October, the Supreme Court is going to sit down and hear this case about whether people in New Jersey should be able to bet on sports. Now, why does that matter? Because if they rule that they are going to be able to bet on sports in New Jersey, it would open up all 50 states to making the same determination that they had to make with the lottery. Do we or not want to allow this gambling to take place? And I believe there is a very, very high probability that the Supreme Court is going to toss out this 1992 prohibition on sports gambling and allow every individual state to make a determination about whether or not they want to allow sports gambling. Why do I believe that that's likely to happen? Because four justices have to decide to hear a case. They typically don't decide to hear cases to hear them when they agree with the decision that's already been made. I'm very much a libertarian. If you listen to this show, you understand that. I believe firmly that everybody out there who wants to bet on sports gambling should not have to do it covertly 
should not have to do it as part of the underground economy, should not have to do it illegally in order to figure out whether or not you want to bet place a bet. You shouldn't have to worry about whether or not you're breaking the law. I believe every individual state should make a decision about whether or not they want to allow sports gambling, just like every individual state made a decision about whether or not they wanted to allow lottery tickets. And I think the Supreme Court's going to agree with me. I think this is going to be a massive, incredibly important ruling that is going to fundamentally alter the trajectory of sports in this country. I think that by next football season, that's the 2018 football season, I think many of you listening to me right now all over the nation are going to live in states where sports gambling is legal. And that is going to be the biggest change to sports since those other two Supreme Court rulings, one from the 1970s and one from the 1980s. This is going to be the biggest story in terms of changing the way sports are covered in the 21st century. I'm going to tell you how I think that will change next. I'm also going to talk to my guy, Dan Wetzel, who wrote a huge column at Yahoo Sports analyzing this very issue and see if he agrees with me about how much this is going to change. You may not have even heard anybody talking about this yet. I think fundamentally, almost overnight by next year, the way we consume sports in this country is going to change forever. I'll talk about that next. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We're talking about the Supreme Court's decision to hear this appeal of a ruling which was New Jersey's attempt to get sports gambling available to all New Jersey citizens and why the impact on this story could be so substantial. Uh, And again, I'm wearing my lawyer hat here. And I get so many questions, and a lot of you blow me up on Twitter wanting to talk about sports gambling and everything else. And as soon as this ruling came down, I got so many questions about this. And, and for a lot of people's first thought is, well, how, how will this, what will this actually look like? And so I'm already moving beyond what's going to happen here because I will be stunned beyond belief if the Supreme Court doesn't allow states to make individual decisions about sports gambling. Because it's not really a partisan issue. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, whatever you are, A lot of people out there, I think, in our modern-day society believe that the individual should have the right to do what the individual wants to do, whether it's drink beer or smoke pot or anything else, honestly, that doesn't directly impact anyone else. So a lot of people say, how soon could this happen? I think if the Supreme Court overturns this, which I believe it will, this will mean by 2018, many of you listening to me right now, will be able to legally gamble on sports in your states. Why would a sport, The next question I get is, why would a state want to allow sports gambling? There's always some people out there who are like, oh, you know, like I think people get addicted to sports gambling. I don't want this to happen. Well, fine. That's, that's fine for you. But we've already made the decision in the states that we're going to allow lottery ticket scratch-offs. It's hard for me to argue that we're going to unring that bell and now suddenly be in a position where – we're not going to allow sports gambling when everybody can go into a gas station just about for most of this country, 44 of the 50 states, and do scratch-off lottery tickets. So a state would want to do this because they're going to get the revenue from gambling. They'll tax it. So that's the reason. That's the easy answer. What if your state doesn't offer sports gambling? Well, some states may decide not to. For instance, Utah. 
we're on in Utah. I think there's a decent chance that Utah doesn't do it because of religious faith. Well, then you have to cross state lines. Or you can continue to do what a lot of people who listen to me do, which is illegally gamble on your phones because you have an offshore account. How will you place a bet? I don't know exactly. Um, an, an easy example is every state will regulate this a little bit differently. Best example I can give you right now would be how beer and liquor and wine are sold in your individual state. It varies enormously across the landscape of this country. All 50 states, people are listening to me right now. Every state is somewhat different. Now, I'll give you an example. New Hampshire has state-sponsored liquor stores. If you're listening to this show right now in New Hampshire, you have to go to a state-sponsored liquor store in order to buy liquor. Some places, like on the opposite coast, California, you can go into a grocery store and you can buy beer, wine, and liquor in a regular grocery store. They're not separated. Different states have different rules, and if you're Anheuser-Busch, you have to, for instance, when you're distributing Budweiser, make a decision that will make, that's why they have so many different distributorships, because the rules are a little bit different in every state. I think that's probably what will happen. Some states will allow you to download an app and make bets on your phone. Other states will insist that you drive to a physical location and place a bet across a counter. It's going to be interesting to see how every state breaks this down. What will this look like if I'm a new sports gambler and I'm just wondering what it's going to look like for my sports viewership? There is going to be an unbelievable gold rush to try to get your gambling business. If you remember a couple of years ago, FanDuel and DraftKings basically took over every commercial break. And that was because of their daily fantasy game. They were trying to get a toehold and own customers. Because if they get you to sign up for an account, in theory, they know exactly what you're worth. Every individual account holder will play X number of games on average, and if they can get you to sign up, even if they have to give you all these signing bonuses and everything else, eventually they believe they'll make money off of you. Easy example in recent history, for those of you who are old enough to remember when the internet started, there was a huge land rush as everybody tried to become the default web page that you were going to use. Yahoo, MSN.com, AOL.com, all those places. This will amaze you. You know the num- there are millions of people right now who still start their web searches or their web visits on AOL.com, MSN.com, and crazily, Yahoo.com as well. Still tens of millions of people who use that as their homepage when they start their internet searching. It's amazing because of that exact reason. What will the pro leagues and the NCAA do about the law changing? Great question. This is going to be a massive amount of money rolling in for all these leagues. Everybody, you know, in pro sports, let's say overseas in, in the English Premier League, you know they have gambling companies sponsoring the uniforms, the logo right literally on the uniform. Um, I think we'll see something like that in pro sports as well. And this is going to be a huge income stream for these teams. The NBA has already said it's totally fine with gambling being legal. In fact, Adam Silver wrote a letter, wrote an editorial for the New York Times saying it's time to make sports gambling legal. 
So I think what's going to happen is the Major League Baseball and the NFL and the NHL, which are about to open up new franchises in Vegas, are all going to get in bed completely with the idea that you can gamble on their games because it's good for their product. It's great for their product. Just like fantasy sports brought a whole new audience to definitely the NFL and sports in general, gambling is going to expand the pie. And the number of people who are going to watch games is going to increase. If you're like me and you're a degenerate gambler, you will watch games until the very end, even if they've long been decided on the scoreboard, because you're waiting to see if the over-under is going to hit, because you're waiting to see whether or not a team's going to cover. It might be 41-10, to 10, and everybody else has already turned off the game and moved on to something else, but if you've got the over-under, or you've got one team minus 35 or plus 35, you're watching until the final minute. It's great for the sport. It's great for what we do. A big part of what I do is talk gambling on this show. The reason why I love gambling talk is because, one, to me, gambling makes sports more fun. But, two, it also unites everybody who gambles because you're either on one side or the other. You may notice that I've never done a fantasy sports segment on this show. Never will. Because I think fantasy sports segments are the most boring sports talk radio that exists. I don't want to hear you call in and say, yeah, so I've got Adrian Peterson. Should I start him against the San Diego Charger defense? I want to shoot myself in a nail gun, in the head with a nail gun when I hear that kind of sports talk radio because it influences a tiny segment of the population. Nobody cares about your fantasy football team. Take it to heart. Only people who care about your fantasy football team are the people who are in your fantasy football league. No one else cares about your particular decisions in fantasy football. No one else wants to hear your stories about fantasy football. Just like I don't want to hear you talk about Monopoly. If you play Monopoly this weekend, would you come in and tell me about your game of Monopoly? So then I had Park Place, and I was like, man, should I put a castle, a hotel on Park Place, or should I put a hotel on Marvin Gardens? I'm like, I don't give a F what you did in your game of Monopoly, just like I don't give an F about what you did in your fantasy football league. Sports gambling is different because everybody's on one side or the other. Your individual decision that you have to make in fantasy football is not shared by millions of other people. There might be 1% of the population out there that's also deciding whether to start Adrian Peterson against the San Diego Chargers defense. Everybody out there who gambles, and that's a huge percentage of people, is trying to decide, do I take the New Orleans Saints minus four against the San Diego Chargers or not? And regardless of which side you take, 100% of people are, who are gambling are on one side or the other. I think just like you have fantasy experts on television now, gambling experts are going to become paramount. We will soon have gambling television shows exclusively. This is going to change everything. I think you'll get score alerts, not just about the score, but about whether or not a cover is likely to happen. I think that you will start to see on the screen, instead of just the score, who wins against the number. I think that this is going to change everything overnight. Just like if you had told somebody 25 years ago, yeah, they're going to have this thing called a fantasy scroll at the bottom of the screen, and it's going to tell you all the updates of individual statistics of NFL players. This thing is going to be so much bigger than fantasy sports are. It's going to be wild. 
Up next, we're going to talk to Dan Wetzel. Dan Wetzel is the Yahoo Sports national columnist. He wrote a column all about sports gambling being legalized. He is going to talk with us all about that. But first, let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Guy who I'm confident is one of the best columnists in the country. He writes at Yahoo Sports. He's Dan Wetzel at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. You can find him there. And he has been covering what I think is potentially the biggest sports story of the 21st century in terms of the impact that it will have on your average fan out there. We bring in Dan Wetzel joining us early on a Friday morning. Appreciate you being up with us. Dan, am I crazy to say that I think this is going to be the most influential potential, assuming the Supreme Court agrees with New Jersey and allows sports gambling to take place in that state and overturns PASPA? Is it crazy of me to say this is the biggest sports story of the 21st century in terms of how it could and will impact individual fans? Uh, it would be, I mean, we got a long way to go in the 21st century. But, yes, it's a monster story because, like So said, far, I mean, so far, yeah. Crazy stuff so, can happen from here. But so far, in 17 years, I think it has the potential to be the biggest story. Technology and the fact I can watch a game on my telephone somewhere was, was big. But this, this is impacts like that. Like this, this will, you know, conceivably, you will be able to gamble. I mean, you already can, but let's just go legally on your telephone. Uh, potentially, you know, it, it all depends the way they regulate this thing. If it actually happens, and each state might be different, but if you've ever been to Europe, you've been to to, to, to London or, or Ireland or something like that. You, you're in the center of London. And every single block has got a sports book, maybe two. Little, they're little parlors. It's almost like walking into a, a small convenience store, and you go in and place a bet. Uh, you know, you could do that and ban it on the internet. You could. There's different ways states are going to do this, but legalized sports wagering is a complete game changer, and, and it'll change the way we we watch games, participate. Obviously, not everyone's going to do it, but it will have a massive impact on everything, and. You know, it's it's a long time coming, and it's a little bit of a surprise that it that it actually might happen. I mean, we got to see what the Supreme Court says. But the idea that they took this case that was decided in favor of the federal government ten to two in the Third Circuit, and they still put at least four Supreme Court justices said, "No, we want to we want to hear this." Uh, obviously, tells you that they've got they probably got something to say here, and it it, it, it certainly has a higher probability of getting overturned. You wrote about it at Yahoo Sports. I'm sure it got a decent amount of attention. Were you surprised or not surprised by the response so far? Like I, My argument has been, I started off the show saying, I think the significance of this story has been undercovered because either people are not really aware of what happened or they're not really cognizant of the law, or they just get nervous, right? Because this is not some case where you can be like, oh, it was a great decision for Chris Paul to go to Houston. And you don't have to know that much to write about it, right? You can get exposed in a case like this. You've been covering it. Are you surprised that it hasn't gotten more sports media attention than it has? Yeah, I I can't say I monitor it all. So I'm not, I'm not surprised because nobody ever covers it. There's like three of us that ever write about this thing. I swear, <laughs> outside of Nevada. 
Yeah. And I've, been, I've been covering it all along. I'm like, you never really, I don't know why. Cause it, to me, it's a very easy to, it's not complicated. Like it might happen. And if it happens, I, I think people can envision it. So it's really not that complicated story. I think in general, sports media is not really up on the law and they get a little nervous with legal briefs or something. I don't know. But again, this is not, I mean, this, this case is going to be about the 10th amendment and whether the federal government can, you know, it's the sovereignty of individual states. It's not about like, should we have gambling? That's not what they're going to be arguing. Yeah. So I guess that's a little tricky, but I don't know why it isn't a big, this is, I mean, again, this is a monster story. You, you it will literally change the way we do things. Huge fortunes will be made. The leagues are going to get involved. Uh, the revenue, the potential revenue for the leagues, for the athletes, for the states and taxes, all the different things, uh, you know, because we've seen this. Once they allowed, once other states could start doing casino gambling, boom, 39 states is somewhere in their state as a thing. You know, lotteries are a big thing. Like, once the floodgates open, everyone's going to jump in on this, particularly something like this. Um, and so it's, it's uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's one, it's one of the biggest things. I don't know why people don't do it. Uh, maybe it just doesn't fit in the box of, of what producers and editors are looking at, but we get a lot. We've always gotten a very good, dedicated amount of traffic on this story. There's a lot of people really interested because, needless to say, a lot of people like to gamble, and they'd rather gamble legally. I mean, they just would rather, they don't, you know, like if they just would rather do it with somebody that they know that's in this country. Everyone agrees it's a good idea at this point, except for, you know, the NCA, which will never back down. Um, it's it's just it's a it's a no brainer for a lot of stuff, and so I don't know why it's not getting more coverage. But whatever. We're talking to Dan Wetzel. Go follow him on Twitter. You can read his column about this at Dan Wetzel. You can read my column on it on uh, on OutKick.com. Let me ask you this, Dan. Uh, you have been covering this case for years. I mean, this is a six-year process. And you mentioned, I referred to it as a Hail Mary by New Jersey, that they got this, uh, that they got this appeal to be reviewed by the Supreme Court, which is very rare. Uh, you know, take it outside of sports, right? I mean, it's very rare for any case to get agreed to be looked at by the Supreme Court to be for for certiori to be granted here, and to have it happen in a sports case is even rarer, right? Where that you actually have the Supreme Court reviewing a case like this. How surprised were you by the result? And maybe take people into the context of why it's such a surprise. Well, I was I was very surprised at the start. When, this, when, when New Jersey tried to do this, and Chris Christie, the governor, said, hey, we're going for this, you know, let him try to stop us. He's a former federal prosecutor. I talked to people on his, in his team uh, about it. They felt like they had the argument that could win this case or at least force congressional action. Part of this is about, look, this is a much closer thing. Congress, do something. Repeal the 92 Passport Act, which basically gives it basically gives a monopoly to, to Nevada on sports wagering. There's a couple other states can do a parlay, but that's it. And But as the thing had gone on, they lost every single round, and often decisively. Uh, it was 10-2, to 2, I said, in the, in the third, third Circuit appeal. It fell over then. Then they were hoping Donald Trump comes in, former casino operator, you know, presumably wouldn't care about something like this, and he would support him and encourage the Supreme Court to hear the case. But instead, his solicitor general writes a brief this spring that says, don't take the case. So they, they file in on it. 
And at that point, I was talking to a, a, an attorney who's, who's worked on the case and may still be on the case, and he really was down, like, this isn't going to happen. So when this thing popped this week, it was like, whoa. So like we said, this is not, a, this is not like a, a close decision. This is not like a pressing national security issue. This is not, there's a lot of reasons for the, the, the Supreme Court to just say, yeah, we're not doing that. And to hear the case, you need at least four Supreme Court justices to say, I want to hear the arguments on this, which at least suggests that there's four very open ears on this case, and possibly more, and they might be fully all, all in. It's not a, you know, you can have the, the biggest liberal and the biggest conservative both on the same side. States' rights, tax revenue, individual I mean, there's a lot of real common ground. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if the Supreme Court hears this and, you know, and particularly looks at the Tenth Amendment and comes in pretty strong on it. So it was out of nowhere because they had lost every single time. They may still lose, but the, the buoyancy, the excitement in that group that are trying to get this done in New Jersey, the American Gaming Association, everyone else, it's, it's really high right now. I don't think there's any doubt, and, and, and I like what you just said, because in this era where everything is hyper-partisan, even sports, what I love about this issue is it isn't Republicans, it isn't Democrats, it isn't Libertarians. Like, There's no established political philosophy here that's at stake. This isn't the Supreme Court hearing a case on abortion or, God forbid, Obamacare or all these other different aspects where the politics are so clearly laid out that you know there's a lot of horse trading and everything else that's going to get involved. This is just an issue of do you think that under our Constitution, individual states should be able to decide whether or not their citizens can gamble on sports? And, and uniquely here, we've already answered that question as yes for a lottery, and I love that the NFL will allow its individual teams to license their logos to scratch off lottery tickets, but won't allow their individual fans to bet on who they think is going to win a game. And so I think this hypocrisy, not to mention Nevada, you get on a plane and you can go in and you can bet on anything inside the state of Nevada. I think this kind of hypocrisy and inconsistency, not to mention just those, but you've been in cover of the Kentucky Derby. I mean, we allow horse racing betting to go on everywhere, dog racing some places. Like, so the world of sports gambling, I think, is changing quite a bit. Toss in the fact that we're adding a team in NHL for Las Vegas as well as an NFL team. I can't wait to see what the Supreme Court's going to say. More with Dan Wetzel up next on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Got Dan Wetzel on with us, and uh, we are discussing what I think is going to be the biggest sports story of the 21st century thus far, which is my belief that the Supreme Court is going to legalize sports gambling effectively in the states and allow every state out there to make a determination, just like they did with the lottery, uh, about whether or not they're going to allow it in their states. Now, right now, 44 states allow lotteries inside their state. Two of the states, interestingly, that don't, Mississippi and Nevada, and that's because of all the casino interests in those states. So there's really only four states that don't allow gambling really at all. And those states, Utah, Alabama, Alaska, and Hawaii. I know Alabama's is religious-based. Utah's is religious-based because of Mormonism and the power there. I have no idea why Alaska and Hawaii don't have uh, either 
obviously uh, some of the uh, some of the lotteries or any casino gambling that I'm aware of, but every other state will. Dan, I think this will sweep across the country. I think people want to be able to do this legally. I think this is going to be insanely popular just from a sports fan's perspective. Do you agree? It'll be massively popular, I think. A lot of people are going to want to do it. You know, and, and most of the arguments against, I mean, obviously you can have addictive elements of gambling, but those people are already gambling. I mean, the biggest thing, it's the, you know, they, the FBI is a $150 billion industry. Only 4% is legally waged in the U.S., in Nevada. So there's, there's you know, whatever that comes out to, 100, 100 plus billion dollars out there. And that could probably grow if it's legal. I mean, that's just people who are willing to either bet offshore or with a bookie or something like that. The basic arguments that why they came up with the 1992 Act, and a lot of it was from Bill Bradley, the former basketball player, and, and U.S. Senator, and the NCAA was behind, and the NFL. It was all about, what the, you know, with trying to protect the athletes uh, from getting blackmailed and compromised games and point-shaving and all of that. A couple things have clearly changed. One, we have empirical evidence and every single bit of law enforcement says the best way to guard against point shaving or game fixing is legalized wagering because we can see when a big bunch of money comes in on one team that doesn't make any sense. Any betting pattern that is out of whack, automatically we can pull the game off. We can start watching. It, it's a it's a fantastic tool. And if you if you increase that data from 4% to 100%, it's going to be even better. Uh, the, we also have better technology to, to monitor that in the, in the moment. In 1992, they were taking written betting slips out in Las Vegas. It might take a long time for a guy at the cage uh, to, to get that information and, and process it now, sit there and watch it as it goes. So it's a totally different era. The idea that you can, you can do that, uh, just isn't there. You don't. You, while point shaving is, oh, there's always going to be something happening, and it happens now. But we haven't seen waves of like the the English Premier League being compromised. You know, there's tons of money being bet on it. So most of the arguments against this in '92 don't make sense. You have the NBA and the NHL are now no longer opposed to this. The NHL has gone to Las Vegas, which again, it never really should have mattered. Um, the, the NFL is going to Vegas, and they have softened their rhetoric considerably on this, and I think all they really want is a cut of the action. If they can get some money out of it to play their game somehow and license their game to be wagered on, if they can figure that out, then they're going to go in. Really, the only thing left is, is, the, uh, is the NCAA. They'll probably oppose it forever, but whatever. Um, I don't think they got the might that they used to, to to get this done. So it's a totally different era. The arguments against it really don't wash anymore, and it's, it's actually, you know, would you rather have $150 billion a year going to organized crime or offshore, or would you rather have it stay in the United States with legitimate companies and, uh, and, and, ta- and then you can tax it? And, and again, the 150 might be might be low once it becomes legal because there's a lot of people that just say, I don't gamble because I don't want to deal with the like, illegality. But I will if I can just walk into Seven Eleven and throw down twenty bucks on the Packers. There's no doubt at all. We're talking to Dan Wetzel about what I think could be the biggest story of the 21st century: the legalization of sports gambling. I think this is going to change everything about the way sports are covered too. I think what we'll see is in the same way that there's a fantasy tracker now at the bottom of the screen, and 20 years ago you'd have been like, "Wow, that's crazy." 
nowadays, I think people will be surprised when they go back and look at it and they say, man, they didn't give you score alerts to let you know whether the over-under was about to hit, to let you know whether or not somebody was going to cover. I think that that's going to change the way we talk about it. Brent Musburger obviously has gotten a lot of attention over the years because he'll say, oh, that's a big score for those of you who care about Vegas or some, you know, like some sort of hint for people who are watching the game with a gamble with money on the game. I think they'll have to go back and train broadcasters into how to talk about this. You agree? Uh, absolutely. It's going to be why people are watching. The way Monday night football, particularly early in the year, usually has its best ratings early because everyone is really tuned into their fantasy team. And those guys had to start paying attention to that stuff. People are watching, you know, a 21-point game at the end of a fourth quarter because they're trying to see who scores and you got all these fantasy leagues on it. That's kind of the one thing that's held Monday, Monday Night Football together. And that will be an even bigger thing. Yeah, Musburger would always say, yeah, my friends in the desert, very interested in that field goal, and that's going to be my friends everywhere. And it really is my friends everywhere already. But, again, it, it can change a lot of things. And, I, it, it, you know, if you haven't been lucky enough to go to, to London, like, you, it's so ubiquitous everywhere. I mean, it's just it, – you, you're on a city block, and there's three book, sports books on it. No, like, that's fantastic. Can, I'm headed to London, actually, today. I'm going on a flight to London today with my family. Hopefully I'll survive. Dan Wetzel, fantastic as always, at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. Sports gambling's coming. Are you going to be ready? You will be if you listen to the show so far today on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Got to give credit to the NBA. A lot of times this week is one of the deadest of the sports calendar. Instead, the NBA free agency, which officially begins tomorrow, has turned into a total carnival of entertainment. The NBA offseason has already been more entertaining than the NBA regular season. And we talked about how there were four big players out there that if they changed teams could make the NBA better. One of those guys dropped off the radar on Wednesday when Chris Paul agreed to join the Houston Rockets. But there are still three guys out there with all sorts of drama surrounding them. Paul George, who still has a year left on his contract. We have, obviously, uh, Blake Griffin, who is probably going to end up leaving the Clippers, I would imagine now, because of the overall disaster that is befalling their roster now that Chris Paul has left. And we have Gordon Hayward with the Utah Jazz, Boston Celtics rumored there as a potential destination for him. I've been arguing that all three of those guys need to go to a new team in order to make things better. And to me, what would make the NBA the best is if I'm Adam Silver and I can wave my magic wand of NBA competition and just make things insanely better overnight, here's what I would choose to do. I would say, Gordon Hayward, you are going to go to the Boston Celtics. I would be tempted to say, Paul George, you're going to go to the Boston Celtics too. And then I would say, Blake Griffin, you're going to the Thunder. I think overnight that would make the NBA regular season and the NBA playoffs a lot better. All right, So I waved my magic wand. Now let me explain why I think that is. I believe that if the Boston Celtics added Gordon Hayward and Paul George, they would be as good, if not better, than the Cleveland Cavaliers as are presently constituted. That would mean we would have a great, theoretically, Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not sure that the Cavs and LeBron would continue their stretch of going to the Finals 
for a third straight year, right? I don't know what would happen in that scenario. Nobody really knows. I think that would be fantastic to see what would transpire. On top of that, I also believe that it would be really interesting then to look in the Western Conference because the Houston Rockets are better, the Oklahoma City Thunder would get much better, and the Spurs would be pretty decent. Not to mention the Timberwolves, who have gotten a lot better as well. So I think that would turn things into a really intriguing matchup for both the Eastern and the Western Conference. I still think the Warriors would be the best team, but I think it makes it the most intriguing. And by the way, I said Cavs would go for the third straight year to the finals. I meant the fourth straight year to the finals because right now I think most people have this idea we're going to get a rubber match this year. We did. The Warriors proved there wasn't much competition from the Cavs. I think people would be at this point in time, even though LeBron is a great storyline, I think they'd almost be more intrigued to see the Celtics against the Warriors, especially if the Celtics had Paul George and Gordon Hayward, and they were suddenly, maybe legitimately, a challenger. Now, maybe that still wouldn't be enough to get past the Warriors, but I almost feel like with what we saw in the most recent NBA Finals, that there isn't that much uncertainty about the Cavs-Warriors matchup. We know who's better. We know who's going to win when those two teams meet up. Does that make sense to you, Jason Martin? If I gave you the same magic wand, what would you do to make the NBA great again? I definitely would make the Celtics better. I think the league's better when the Celtics and Lakers are there. There's one stat I saw yesterday that was kind of stunning to me, and that is that the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in the last four years, and only five times in the previous 65 before that had they not made the playoffs. It's a great stat. So it shows just how far off they've fallen and how Magic's trying to turn things around with Lonzo and maybe what they're going to do in free agency. If they're able to swing Paul George next year or maybe get LeBron or whatever it is that they're planning on doing there. But it's better when those two franchises are good. And Boston is certainly on the cusp of being good. They've got a great young coach that's a good ambassador for the league already that people like to play for. They've got a couple of veterans like Horford and guys like that. You forget Al Horford's on that team, and he can still play basketball. And you've got Isaiah Thomas, obviously. You're able to bring in a Hayward if you're able to bring in a Blake Griffin even. Um, you know, whoever it is, the Paul George thing is intriguing to me. But the biggest story remains this Houston thing because let us not forget that Eric Gordon was the sixth man of the year in the NBA awards this year. And he came off the bench and would get 20 for them on a regular basis. Now they lost Lou Williams, who was another big time scorer for them, but they keep Ryan Anderson. They keep guys that can score. James Harden obviously does what he does. If he and Chris Paul are actually able to mesh. And if they bring in Paul George, I'm really, really intrigued by that. Like I kind of would rather see Paul George in that situation just because it would make it a whole lot more interesting in the West. I think that the big loser in that situation becomes the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs that are still well-coached and still have those role players that irritate you left and right and play their brand of basketball, Kawhi's just not enough by himself. They have to get other people. It seems like in the NBA now, if you want to win, you've got to find a collection of superstars, a collection of all-stars on one team to try and compete. So I, I agree with you. I think that the Celtics would be a good place to see two of those guys go. I really am kind of curious. I, I'm kind of now hoping Paul George goes to Houston because I think that would be intriguing. And I continue to think Blake Griffin really is a nice fit 
in Oklahoma City. I know the Thunder are also looking at Rudy Gay and some other smaller players like that. And, of course, we had fun yesterday with the Denver Nuggets. They're trying to get back into things. And let's, you know, don't forget that they're always in the top five, arguably sometimes in the top one or two almost every year in home court advantage because of the altitude and 45-minute drive from the airport to the arena. And everybody hates playing there except for the players that actually play there. So I think that there's some intrigue in the West a little bit. But the key here is to make Boston legitimately competitive with Cleveland. And I don't think as they're presently constituted – that's the case. They've got to do something, or it means Danny Ainge is kicking the can down the road for two or three years when he thinks LeBron is gone, when he thinks Kyrie might have moved on, and then Boston can grab a stranglehold on the East. Maybe with Clay Thompson leaving Golden State and them not being as strong, maybe that's when he thinks that he can strike. He just wants to be kind of competitive right now. That's one thing that you've seen. He likes to be, you know, two to four. If he ends up in the top seed because Cleveland doesn't care, that's great. If he wins right now, that's great. But it looks like he has more of a long-term plan. But I don't disagree with anything that you said. Are you a little bit surprised the Cavs have really done nothing? We hear about all these different – I know they don't have a GM, and maybe there's been some disagreement about whether or not Kyrie Irving is worth trading for a particular move, and maybe they just haven't had the success that they anticipated with Kevin Love in terms of interest from him for him across the league. But to me, maybe the most intriguing aspect of the NBA free agency so far has been Cleveland, who we all just see get boat raced in their NBA Finals series against the Warriors, not making any moves. It seems like a bad guess on behalf of the Cavs to anticipate that the Warriors are going to be worse and just to sit back and watch everything happen and not even try and make a play to get your team better. Because I just don't see any way that having watched that series – that the Cavs have a chance. LeBron James is going to be a year older. Uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, I don't see just taking radical steps. They were both decent in the finals. I don't understand why the Cavs are not making a move, even if it's the wrong move. At least if you make a move, you could get better. As is, they seem very confident to just sit back and say, you know what, we're going to roll with what we got, and I feel confident in saying what you got ain't enough. Well, I think the story is different. I think the story is they tried to make a move. Remember, on the night of the draft, they were trying to get Paul George and move Kevin Love in a three-team in a three-team deal, and they could not make it happen. I think that what this says is one of two things, and it may say both of them. I continue to think LeBron's not going to leave. We disagree on that point. But I do think that there are a lot of people within the NBA that believe he is going to leave. So if you're a free agent, do you really want to go there, and then he leaves, and then you're stuck in Cleveland, Ohio? The second thing is... They've got assets people don't want because of the money on the books. That's a big problem when you're trying to make deals. And then the third thing is the David Griffin situation. Dan Gilbert doesn't look like the most competent owner right now. Making that move when he made it seems to be punitive and really petty and dumb on top of everything else. So it just doesn't look like a cohesive franchise right now. So do you want to, if you're a star-free agent... Hit your wagon to that when you're not sure whether or not LeBron's going to be there for more than another year, and you're not sure what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving, and you're not sure that you have a coach that you really like in Ty Lue, and you're not sure that you buy into the ownership of Dan Gilbert, and you have no idea whether or not Chauncey Billups is going to be a good GM if indeed he's the one that gets that job. There's just too many unanswered questions. So to me, I think they wanted to make a move, and they're just getting trumped by franchise. Daryl Morey's a really good owner. He struggled for a few years, but he's a really smart guy. He's made some really good moves over the past few years, none better than this Chris Paul move. 
But that, to me, is the issue. It's Cleveland's incompetence. It's not that they don't want to make moves. It's that they put themselves in such a bad situation with bad contracts and bad ownership and the potential just kind of questions looming as to what's going to happen next year that leads free agents to be a bit gun-shy about going to Cleveland, Ohio. I think LeBron's going to leave, and we've had that debate, and we'll continue to have that debate probably for an entire year. Yes. And LeBron James loves drama, so I anticipate that every little detail that happens will continue to be related to that. We'll talk about that with our guy Lance Taylor. He's up next. We'll discuss will LeBron leave? Does he like any of the moves that the NBA teams have made? What would he do with his magic wand to make the NBA great again? That's all coming up next here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Joined by our guy Lance Taylor. He joins us every single week at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. LT, we were just talking at the open here about if we had magic wands and we could make the NBA great again. And we were talking in particular about three guys that are out there. Paul George, obviously expectations are that he's going to be traded. Blake Griffin and Gordon Hayward, given the fact that Chris Paul is now going to Houston. I'll get to that in a moment with you. But if you had a magic wand for those three guys, Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin, and Paul George, and you could send them anywhere in the league to make the NBA great again, what teams would you send them to? And by the way, for any team in the league that could effectively get them. Like, I don't mean like you could put Paul George on the team with the three existing Cavs. I mean, any team that can make a play. I get the question now, can I double up with these guys? Because there is a possibility. Yes. Yeah, if, that, okay. if, if it's doable under the salary cap in your mind, I, we, we made our arguments. I'm curious what yours would be. Okay, well, here's the thing. I'm going to leave Blake Griffin out. As, as electrifying as this guy can be, I don't trust him being healthy for a full 82. And I think really the best upside really might be Gordon Hayward when it's all said and done. He seems to be getting better and better. Paul George is kind of leveled out. I know he's a great two-way guy. Um with all that said, I'm going to leave Griffin out, and I'm going to package Paul George and Hayward to two different destinations. The first is realistic, and that's Boston. And when you look at them you know, retaining a guy like Isaiah Thomas and his ability in the clutch of what he does, uh, you've got Al Horford, who's really underrated. He's a double-double every single night. You throw those two guys on that team, they're by far the best team in the East, even over LeBron and Cleveland. And I think they could, and this sounds ridiculous, I think they could take Golden State to six games. So I think they could at least make it an entertaining finals. The other team, I would go east. It seems amazing that all these guys continue to want to go west and battle Golden State in conference and uh, not even have the opportunity to get to a finals. But I'm going to go with the Washington Wizards. I mean, I love the backcourt of Wall and Bill. Uh, Otto Porter is a guy that can shoot the eyes out of it. Uh, Gortat is, is a big that does a lot of different things. So I think if you put George and Hayward on that team, I think it ultimately makes them the best team in the East. And they're, they're a team I think could take Golden State six games. No, it's not a bad philosophy, not a bad theory, not a bad play. Uh, are you surprised, we just discussed this, are you surprised that the Cavs have been unable to do anything? Because I think anybody who watched that series in the NBA Finals, I know you did, I know just about everybody listening to us right now did, thought to themselves, the Cavs are not that close to beating the Warriors. I don't know what could happen aside from injury that would make the Cavs capable of winning a seven-game series against the Warriors. To me, when they stand pat, what they're basically saying is, we're fine with losing in the finals. I can't believe they haven't made any move. You? Yeah, a little bit. And you know an amazing thing about this? You remember just a few weeks ago going into the series, how many people thought Cleveland was going to win that series? And I don't know if you can give me an example on the fly of we really don't believe something until we actually see it happen. 
Um, but that was kind of that series. Like, I was one of the ones that thought that there was a better chance that it was going to be a sweep than a really competitive series. I thought it would go five. It ultimately went five. But it was about 50-50 on the split of people that thought the Cavaliers... Yeah, I'll give, you one. I'll give you one right now. Ronda Rousey getting her ass beat. You know, based on everything yeah. we had seen before Holly Holm, it wasn't just that she lost, right? It wasn't just that Ronda Rousey lost. Because anybody can get caught with, like, a lucky punch, right? It was that she got dominated in a way that was totally incompetent. It wasn't Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson because Tyson was kind of sleepwalking through that fight and then he got caught, you know, and, and ended up getting knocked out. That happens in fighting. But when Ronda Rousey went in the ring with Holly Holm and then later, I can't even remember the girl's name who beat the crap out of her, in that both of those fights, it was like she was not even a professional. That's how badly she got beat. That's the first, that, that, to me, is the most shocking result that I have seen in sports in years, and I don't think that Golden State winning, I predicted Golden State would win in five, so that wasn't shocking to me, but I think for a lot of people who thought the Cavs were going to be competitive, that could be Rousey-esque for them. Yeah, and I think it's um, I think it's a little disappointing for some NBA fans on a few different levels, I mean, because you look at Golden State now, and we're talking about, we're having to manipulate the system and come up with some kind of super team that actually can knock them off. It just looks like they're going nowhere. And, you know, even with the move that Houston makes yesterday and they go out and they get a guy like Chris Paul, look, you've got the most dynamic backcourt in basketball now, and I think the system is perfect that they run for those two guys. But they're still not I – mean, they might be the two-seed in the West, Clay, and they might get to six games in the Western Conference Finals, but that's it. They're not even going to represent the West with that addition. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it is a uh, – it, it's a disaster for the NBA – if there isn't somebody able to step up and challenge the crown. And people say, oh, well, super teams are good for the league. Well, super teams are good for the league when you believe that a super team can lose. In other words, the Patriots being 18-0 and wasn't bad for the NFL because I think everybody knew the Giants could win. Probably wouldn't, but in a one-game setting, anything can happen. Look, the Cavs are capable of beating the Warriors once, maybe even twice in a seven-game series. What I don't believe they're capable of is winning four. And we've never seen a favorite like these Warriors in the history of American team sports. That ain't good for the league. No, and let's just look at the big four right now, and I'll throw college football as one of the big four with the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. In the NFL, Major League Baseball, and college football, anything can happen once you get to the postseason. In the NBA, it's become so predictable. I mean, at this time last year when we're talking, we knew exactly what the NBA Finals were going to be. Now, we don't this year because we don't know how everything's going to shake out in the East. But one thing we know is that Golden State will be back there barring some kind of catastrophic injury. But, you know, the predictability now in the postseason in the NBA, it's killing it. All right, we talked a lot of NBA with you, LT. But yesterday on the show, we got into a debate. I'm curious what you think about this. I was trying to think of songs live on the air that defined a state. All right, like you hear them inside the state and you love them. And not necessarily that they are insanely popular outside of the state. And so with that criteria in mind, I said that country roads in West Virginia define that state, meaning everybody loves it within those borders more than anything else. I said number two on the list was Rocky Top. Now, country roads in Rocky Top, and Rocky Top obviously in Tennessee, country roads in Rocky Top, really popular inside West Virginia and Tennessee, not the kind of songs you would walk into a bar in Wyoming or the Florida Keys or upstate New York or South Dakota and hear playing. Number three on my list, I think you would. It's Sweet Home Alabama. And number four on my list, I think you could too. These are my top four. I think really California. 
right? Like California love back in the day, even though it's only been 20 years, I think people hear that and it's insanely popular in California inside the borders. Can you think of songs that define states better than those four? How would you assess my rankings? No, no you, you drilled it. The the country road, the John Denver, yep. West Virginia, because they absolutely love it. And I think it's, it's a horrific song. Uh, this is going to be blasphemous. I like Leonard Skinner, but I never really liked Sweet Home Alabama. But I can go to any state and I can hear that, and people actually enjoy that song. So you're dead on with that. I was going to bring up California Love. Um, but that is one that, that transcends the state of California. I mean, everybody knows Tupac and Dre. And as you said, you know, when that thing came out in 1996, 97, I think it was, uh, people absolutely went went nuts over it. And it still is just an iconic song. But you, you drilled the top two. I mean, the two that nobody care about outside of those states is Rocky Top and Country Road. All right, here are some others that are on the list that people suggested yesterday and all throughout the day after I tweeted them out. Uh, this is true if you've ever been to the Kentucky Derby. My old Kentucky home plays. That is an internal state song. It's so old school that it's not ever something you would hear inside of a bar. But when they play my old Kentucky home at the at the starting gate there right before the Kentucky Derby starts and everybody's swaying in, in that venue at Churchill Downs, pretty damn awesome and a song that is 100% unique to there. Uh, there's two in New York, right? Like New York, New York by uh, Frank Sinatra and then Empire Empire State of Mind by Jay-Z, which is like a modern-day version of that. A couple more, and then I'm going to see if you think of any others. Baton Rouge, I'm not even sure what the song is called. Garth Brooks' song about being in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole state of Louisiana, but if you're out in Baton Rouge or you're at an LSU game, that song comes on, people go crazy. And then a couple of different Georgia suggestions. Georgia On My Mind by Ray Charles. And then the devil went down to Georgia. I'm not even sure who did the devil went down to Georgia because I'm not a music, musical expert. How Charlie, would you assess Charlie those? Daniels, Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels. All right, I'm an idiot. I've actually met Charlie Daniels like five or six times. You know, I will tell you this. He's a huge Tennessee fan. You would love the guy. We had him on the show about a month ago. He is fascinating. I mean, Charlie Daniels now is close to 80 years old. Yep. But he is one of the most articulate, sharp, can talk about any topic you can imagine. Uh, the guy still tours every single day. Devil Went Down to Georgia is a huge one. I mean, because that fiddle, that's another iconic thing. Oh, it's an awesome song. Go away. It, yes. It's timeless. So I think that one's a great one. I think, I think that kind of does to define the state of Georgia a little bit. Anything else that I missed that immediately comes to mind for you? Jason Martin, uh, any others that you think of either that immediately come to mind for you guys? I, mean, I think the, Glenn, did Glenn Fry do New York Minute? I don't know that, that song. That might be right. LT, Clay did not know this song. I bet you do. Shipping up to Boston. Drop oh, Kick yeah, Murphy's. Oh, yeah, Drop Kick Murphy's. Absolutely. Yeah. It was it made famous in The Departed, yes. which is one of the greatest films of all time. But, yeah, I mean, I think that one – I wonder, uh, Jason, if it's more Boston or if it's the whole state of Massachusetts. I guess Boston kind of is Massachusetts. So that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even that familiar. I mean, obviously I've seen The Departed, which is a great movie, but I'm not that familiar with that song. Like, I can't immediately think what it sounds like, whereas all these other songs that I've mentioned, like, I at least know the first chord and would recognize it if it came on. And, uh, you would and, recognize this, Clay. This is an, an angry song. that It's like any hooligan in, in Boston that's been in a pub brawl. It's, <laughs> it's what would get the blood boiling. So you guys need to play that at some particular time during the show, but you would definitely recognize it. What about Kid Rock there, Clay? Go oh, ahead and oh, that. oh, yeah. If you, I, I made the prediction yesterday on the show. Could be one of my craziest, most outlandish predictions of all time. I said that the Kid Rock song about northern Michigan, what's the name of the title, Jason Martin? Is it Someone to Love or Something no, to Love? No, it's not Someone. Like 
it's like you know the summertime in Michigan, like uh, drinking whiskey out. You know, like oh, I think that all, they do it to Sweet Home Alabama. It's a terrible song all summer agreed. long. All summer long. All summer long is what it's called. Twenty years from now, that's going to be a classic song. There's no way. It's awful. Like, I'm telling you right awful. now, I've, it's going to define Michigan. My, I've never told you my Kid Rock story though, because um, I met this guy at Devil Without a Cause. His first, well, I guess it was his second album, but it's when he first went platinum. Yep. I met him in Atlanta, and uh, I was hanging out with this guy that represented from Jim Beam, and Kid Rock's management called and said, look, we want a bunch of Jim Beam and T-shirts and stuff, and we'll get you guys backstage and you can hang out on the bus. And I'll just never forget, you remember he had the little midget guy, Joe C? It was since past, that was kind of his sidekick. I don't know if either one of you guys remembers this. It was back in the late 90s. And uh, so I'm just sitting on the bus. These guys are all drinking PBR. They're all smoking a ton of weed, and Kid Rock has got – he's in the very back in the bedroom, and there's another chick sitting there waiting on him. Oh, that's amazing. He had an on-deck yeah. circle for, for groupies. Yeah, and, and look, and he was the nicest guy in the world. How were the girls? Uh, you know, a little banged up, but, you know, that was before he really – I mean, it was a Midtown Music Festival, so he was about to turn the corner. He was known, but not really known, so he was getting there. So you but, think I mean, groupie quality probably took a big jump in the next few months after that? Yeah, but i got to be honest with you, Kid Rock, not, not really a picky guy. That uh, might be true. Uh, outstanding stuff as always, LT. I'm on the way to London, by the way, shortly after this show ends. How do you think I'm going to do on an overnight flight to London with a 9, a 6, and a 2-year-old? I just think you should uh, chew some pills and drink a lot of alcohol. Be fun. <laughs> That's Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. Let's find out what's trending now. I'm telling you, just listen to this song going to be an absolute classic 20 years from now your kids are going to be demanding that they play this look at this oh what a beautiful song july 4th coming up obviously a lot of you hopefully getting out of work a little bit early today on friday maybe you don't have to work on monday because july 4th is on a tuesday this song will be playing everywhere i said this yesterday on the show not getting paid but northern michigan in the summer one of the best places in the united states a lot of people don't know about it. I would never have known Northern Michigan was awesome unless I married a girl from Michigan. But it is absolutely fabulous. I think we have a bunch of affiliates up there, Traverse City area, Petoskey. If you've never been to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, gotten close to it, water is beautiful. Weather is perfect. If it's starting to get really insanely hot wherever you are. I saw yesterday it was 129 degrees in Iran. As if it wasn't bad enough to live in Iran already. Can you imagine? 129 degrees. Electrical grid doesn't even work. One of the hottest temperatures ever recorded in the history of the world. That's awful. I actually uh, have family what? in the UP, Clay. You have family in the UP? Where in the UP? Uh, it's called Bark River, Michigan. It's got like a population of like 250. Where would Bark River be? Uh, I, I believe it's about an hour away from Escanaba. Yeah, if you're saying an hour away from Escanaba, that's a long way from everywhere. Uh, well, we'll get back. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios, brought to you by GEICO. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well. With TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I think that's one of the best places to be on July 4th. Have you been up there, Justin, in the middle of the summer? I have not. 
uh, interestingly enough, I've only been there in the winter. Which yeah, is I don't awful. know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why anybody goes to you know the UP or anywhere really far north in the winter. It's always a disaster. But to me, that is maybe the best place to be. I mean, I know Maine is great, and there's a lot of people. If you if you want to kind of escape humidity, you want to get somewhere where you can walk around and breathe normally and just kind of chill and enjoy basically spring-like weather almost. I mean, it's just fantastic. There's a lot of cool wineries up there. I think it's probably the most underrated part of the United States because I think a lot of people never get up there, and Detroit has come to have such a negative connotation that nobody even makes a trip to get anywhere near Detroit. So unless you're from that area, unless you're from the upper Midwest, you would never even think about making a trip all the way up to the uh, to the top of uh, of Michigan. But I'm telling you, it's pretty awesome. Uh, not a lot of news. It's very quiet on Twitter today, I think, because they're going into a holiday weekend. The biggest news, probably in terms of something that's getting attention, even though it's not much of a, a news story, is what we've been talking about. John Calipari connected to the New York Knicks job. And the thing about John Calipari is, ever since he took the job at Kentucky, every time his name is mentioned for any job, he immediately says it's made up doesn't matter where he is and I think he tweeted from Egypt right I guess he's down visiting the pyramids um and uh and he woke up and said look there's nothing to this look I think there's always something to this with John Calipari he's always a guy who's going to know all the angles who's going to explore all of his opportunities having said that I don't think the Knicks job is better than Kentucky's job I mean people out there are crazy because if you're like a hardcore NBA guy like, what are you talking about Madison Square Garden the Knicks yeah it's a bigger job in terms of the amount of attention it gets nationwide, but you're not better. This, this whole thing that Phil Jackson did an awful job and that somehow he was to blame for why the Knicks sucked is just not true. I mean, nobody could have done a great job with the Knicks given the talent that they have. And I don't feel that great about their future, you know, in terms of being suddenly a dominant title contender. And John Calipari was an awful coach at the Nets. And do you know why he was an awful coach with the Nets? Because his talent sucked. You're only as good as your talent in an NBA when it comes to coaching. Do you guys think that Ty Lue is out here running circles around Brad Stevens when it comes to diagramming plays? You guys think that uh, even Steve Kerr, I know he came in and took over and things got infinitely better after Mark Jackson. But how many guys could have coached last year's Golden State Warriors to the title? Remember, Steve Kerr was out for substantial amounts of the playoffs, and Mike Brown came in and didn't lose a game. Now, part of that's just because the culture that's been instilled, but I think NBA basketball coaching and GMing is one of the most overrated talents in all of sports. And, like, it really matters, I think, if you have a great coach in college football. Certainly matters if you have a great coach in college basketball. Same coaches always end up in the same positions over and over again. NFL, there's no doubt. Hockey, I honestly don't know enough about hockey to even have a clue. Major League Baseball, eh, I think I could manage a Major League Baseball game. I don't think it's that complicated. If you put me in an NFL headset, I would fall apart. I'm certain that I could coach an NBA basketball game. Even when they show the clips of what the NBA basketball coaches are saying, it's like the same stuff that I told my six-year-olds. Box out. Get back on defense. Make sure to stay in front of your man. If you have the better talent, you're going to win. LeBron James is basically a player, coach, and GM for the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's no doubt about this. So this idea that people have, oh, Phil Jackson did such an awful job. If they go get a good president of basketball operations and a new coach for the Knicks, they can change everything overnight. Really? 
Carmelo Anthony's never really won anywhere he's been. Derrick Rose is basically done. Kristaps Porzingis is pretty decent. You just drafted number eight overall, a French 19-year-old point guard. Do you think he's going to come in and take over the league? The idea that if John Calipari gets hired, suddenly everything's going to change is ludicrous. I think that the Kentucky basketball job is better right now than the Knicks job. Kentucky's not going to be great this year, probably like 8 to 10. The recruiting class is not what John Calipari has put together before. But they're going to be in the mix to make a run to the Final Four. They'll be probably a 2, a 3, or a 4 seed in the NCAA tournament. Very confident about that. Set up to advance to the Sweet 16 and then see what happens beyond there. Meanwhile, the Knicks have almost no chance of making the playoffs. They certainly, if they make the playoffs, have no chance of making a substantial run. You're surrounded up there by teams that are arguably making better moves than you. The 76ers are on the upswing. Certainly the Celtics are set to be good for the next five to seven years. And the Knicks uh, are not. I mean, they're going to lose Carmelo Anthony. They're going to lose Derrick Rose. And then they're going to go back to the drawing board and try to build around Porzingis and their new 19-year-old French point guard. Do you feel like that's a great job that John Calipari couldn't pass up other than the money and the fact that James Dolan paid Phil Jackson $12 million a year, $60 million over five years? Other than the money grab and maybe the fact that you're just tired of being in Lexington, Kentucky, and you want to go to a bigger town, you want to have like a different kind of lifestyle, I will say this. it's it, People don't know this if you haven't been sort of totally surrounded by how big of a thing Kentucky basketball is or Alabama football or you know SEC major sport coaches are effectively the popes of their state. John Calipari is the pope of Kentucky. Nick Saban is the Pope of Alabama. Butch Jones, nobody likes, so you can't really say that. But these SEC states, when you have a successful coach in them, it's the equivalent of a level of fame that most people can't even conceptualize. You are the head of state of that individual state. So everywhere John Calipari goes in the state of Kentucky, it is overwhelming. He can't go out to dinner. He can't go out anywhere. People think this crazy if you haven't lived it. But if John Calipari went to New York and became the coach and president of the Knicks, let's say, he would be able to go out to dinner and be left alone more frequently in New York City and all along the East Coast as the coach of the Knicks than he is as the coach of Kentucky. I'm, I'm not kidding about this. Like You have no idea what these guys live like when they're in these relatively small towns and they're effectively the biggest star in the entire state. There is not a moment's peace in their lives like John Calipari could go to become the head coach of the Knicks and people would care about him less on a day-to-day basis he would have a more regular existence because he'd be what like the 5,000th most famous person in New York City even that high maybe too low in Kentucky he's number one and there's not a close second Uh, I am Clay Travis you're listening to Outkick the Coverage final segment coming up we got some Animal Thunderdome news for you look out July 4th special Animal Thunderdome edition and In hour three, it's time for I Hate You, Clay Travis, in a little bit. All that's still to come here on Fox Sports Radio. This song is fabulous, too. What's amazing is, and I don't know if this is just a sign that I'm getting older, but we talked about this a little bit yesterday. And if you're just waking up across the uh, country, we're talking about songs that define a state. My top four right now. And I mean define a state inside the state's borders. Like, this song is insanely popular nationwide but I feel like having spent enough time in California this is a song that people in California feel like California like that is a song that defines the state 
And so when I think about songs that define states within that state border, they can be popular elsewhere. My top four most defining songs of a state. Number one, Country Roads. I don't believe in power rankings of songs. People are blowing up my Twitter feed, agreeing or disagreeing. Country Roads, nobody, really that many people outside of West Virginia, I would say, no Country Roads. But it's insanely popular inside the borders of West Virginia. And when you're inside the borders of West Virginia, you feel like Country Roads should be playing everywhere you go. Same thing is true for Rocky Top. Rocky Top's not that popular outside the state of Tennessee. Maybe you watch football, you hear them play Rocky Top. Inside the state of Tennessee, it's insanely popular. Number three overall is a song that's internationally popular. Like, I'm going to get on a plane and go to London this afternoon with my family, pray for me, and we're going to land there. And if I go into a pub somewhere in Leicester Square in London, it would not shock me if within 20 minutes Sweet Home Alabama comes on. That's how popular this song is. Very popular inside the state of Alabama. It's possibly I've underrated it. But, again, I'm trying to assess the popularity inside the state. So I have to have spent a substantial amount of time inside the state to have kind of recognized what the local populace responds like when it comes on in a bar, in a football stadium. You know, like everybody stands up and sings Country Roads at West Virginia if they win a game in Morgantown. Alabama, kids go crazy when they play Sweet Home Alabama in the football stadium. Same thing with Rocky Top. You watch a Tennessee game, watch when Rocky Top comes on. Number four on this list is California Love. Do they play like California Love with the bands at UCLA and Cal? Because I think they should. But what I'm saying is California Love, it doesn't sound out of place now. Like it doesn't sound old. Like an old, it's 20 years old, but it doesn't sound like it's any older than six years ago. That might just be me. And by the way, we got to get to the Animal Thunderdome. Jason Martin, do you agree with me that California Love is like held up over the test of time? Yeah, again, it's got it's a hip hop sound from the '90s that still works. And a lot of the reason I think that hip hop sort of I don't know ages well is because so many new artists still sample old stuff. So we still actually hear some of these beats today, kind of recycled, and we still have the same producers that are doing some of the same kind of material. So I think that maybe. That sort of encourages it. But, yeah, it definitely holds up. It absolutely holds up. I still think it's a banger today, just like I thought it was a banger in 96. Some people are saying that my prediction that uh, a lot of people are agreeing with me. If you've ever been to northern Michigan, then a lot of people are agreeing with me saying, you know what, northern Michigan in the summer is one of the great jewels of the country, one of the great underrated parts of the country that lots of you probably have not been to. Uh, But my prediction that all summer long, Cole is saying – Claiming no. all summer long by Kid Rock will be a classic in 20 years is the most trash take of all time. You know what? I agree. Yeah. You <laughs> I know agree. what? You it's know a what? takeoff. It's a ripoff song, Clay. Every song, is a, every song is a ripoff. All the people no. have like, every single song that has ever existed in the history of music is a ripoff. Like, everybody is stealing from everybody else. So people are like, oh, that song's a ripoff. If you're a mus- musical genius, which I'm not, you talk to a musical genius out there. Every song just about that's ever existed, you can file a lawsuit over them stealing music from somebody else and ripping them off, paying homage to them. Like, in, in all honesty, every song is a ripoff. So the fact that the theme or the soundtrack or whatever, like, is, is similar is not, to me, indicative that a song can't be a classic. Everything is a ripoff of everything else. And so I'm telling you, 
It takes a brave man to step out on the on the ledge like this. I'm telling you, all summer long by Kid Rock, classic. Twenty years from now, <laughs> now you can laugh. You it can might laugh, be a classic, but, somebody, but it's not going to be the the like state song. When of I, Michigan. it's the state song of Michigan. When I oh. am 58, when I am 58 years old, I will track everybody down who's listening to this show this morning, and I will say, remember when we were going into July 4, 2017, and there was mass anger over my prediction that all summer long will be a classic 20 years from now. Guess what? Generation later, and that song's still playing, and it has become the default national anthem of Memphis, of Memphis, of Michigan. Ugh. Does it even default play state now? Anthem. Yes. No. All right, open phone lines, 877-996-6369. Is this the most controversial opinion that I've ever had, that all summer long by Kid Rock will be an iconic remembrance of Michigan 20 years from now. I'm telling you, please, 20 yeah. years from now. Don't call me in 19 years to tell me this, please. I hope that my life I'm not going to call you in 19 years. I'm not going to call you in 19, I'm gonna call you in 19 years. I'm going to call you in 20 years, God, and I'm that will be when it's an iconic generation. Yes, it'll still be the same number. Uh, all right, 877-996-6369 is our number. We got hung up on this. We will have the Animal Thunderdome for you to open Hour 3. Then we're going to talk to John Morosi about how cool this Bellinger-Judge war is. Could we have two Rookie of the Years who are going to end up MVPs? We'll talk to John Morosi about that. But up next, it's Animal Thunderdome and, hopefully, the populace of Outkick Nation coming out to defend me for my brilliant prediction about all summer long. Happy Fourth of July weekend as we go in to the break here. Final hour of the show up next here on Fox Sports Radio. And I mistimed it, so I want to tell you one more time. All summer long, going to be famous forever. It's Beethoven. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by Geico. Your car's needs now come with a reward with the AutoZone Rewards Program. Spend $20 five times and earn a $20 reward. So sign up today. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Was it a controversial opinion? People on Twitter certainly don't think so. I'm a mobile DJ in Michigan. All summer long still fills the dance floor and everyone sings the northern Michigan part as loud as possible. A lot of people saying they assumed it already was defining the state of Michigan. Continuing to read. All summer long, says Susanna, is already well on its way to replacing Hell to the Victors as the defining song for the state of Michigan. Lots of, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I thought maybe it's going to be a little more controversial. Every All summer long, a classic in 20 years. <laughs> or Colin Ugh. Kaepernick plays in the NFL again, yeah, which that. is more likely. Yeah. Um, lots of positive. Uh, I agree. All summer long is a classic, says Dr. Evil. Craig Carpenter says, agree. It's going to be an iconic Michigan song. Now that it's summer, heard it twice yesterday. Ugh. The problem, Everybody, the, problem song, the problem with that song, Clay, is every time I hear it, I think of Alabama. I don't think of Michigan. I didn't even know about the Michigan part because I don't know the lyrics because all I do is hum the hum the background part, which is basically a ripoff of Sweet Home Alabama, like directly a ripoff, like more so it's than an, most. He's paying homage. Like, homage. I don't think he's hiding yeah. homage. I don't think he's it's hiding homage, it. Yeah. Is it. I think you could pronounce homage. it homage, right? You shouldn't. <laughs> I think it's homage. He's paying homage. That's the way you it's pronounce a, that word, homage. right? It's homage. homage. Where are you from? Yes. Are you from an Amish village? No, it's. I didn't say Amish. Homage. It's homage. Am I insane for saying all summer long by Kid Rock will be the classic anthem defining the state of Michigan in twenty years? Four hundred people have already voted in about two minutes since I put this poll up. 
dead even 50 50 <laughs> 50% say yes 50% say no all right um we're gonna talk to John Morosi next uh who should I go to uh phone calls wise here? go to Kevin and Indy I always like Kevin and Indy Kevin and Indy bringing it all right Kevin what's up hey, hey Clay I wanted to throw out there if you're talking about like importance of the song to that state in particular Yep. You got to throw out there back home again in Indiana. It's played before the Indy 500 every single year with the fanfare, Memorial Day, and salute what's the truth. The, what's the song? Back home again in Indiana. I, I've Nabors never sang it for yeah. the longest time. Yeah, no, that's good. I've never even heard of that song. Uh, you know what I think yeah, of I want, when I think of Indiana is the uh, what's the song? Last Dance with Mary Jane by Tom Petty. Isn't that Mary an Jane's song? Last Dance? That's, Mary, that's yeah. not a bad one either. But if, if you talking importance to the people of the state, anybody in Indiana right now hearing me say this probably got chills thinking about race day. I also wanted to throw out there, as much as I hate to admit it, uh, J. Mart's right. Uh, uh, Kid Rock's garbage. That song is not even going to come close to a national anthem of, of the state of Michigan. Not even close. It is. It is already a national anthem of the state of Michigan. They will be sing- singing this song before long in the big house with arms locked. Oh, my God. In the place, no doubt. Derek in Oakland. Derek, what's up? Morning, Clay. Great show as always. Appreciate oh, that. Before I, get to my Cal- before I get my California tape, um, that, uh, that Kid Rock song, not only is it from Sweet Home Alabama, but it also has a mix of Warren Zevon's Werewolf of London. I believe that's the keyboard part. Yeah, look, no, I, look he, is, he is bringing together all of the greatest parts of music into one perfect song. I mean, he, again, he's the Beethoven of our time. Absolutely. Now, as far as California goes, I've got to disagree with the California love because California Dreamin' has definitely been around a lot longer. It reaches a wider range of uh, fans, and now you're starting to hear it as theme songs to a lot of new television shows out there. So that's my belief with California Dreamin', not California Love. You know, with the other one that I think is, is, is that the, what's the name of the Katy Perry song? California Girls? Yeah, or the Beach Boys song, too, or the, the David Lee Ross song. Like, Hotel there's, California. There's a ton. There's, uh, there's, there's a ton of California songs. I mean, look, when, you're a cunt, when you're, your state is as big or bigger than most countries, then you're going to get a ton of songs that are iconic about it. But I think the California Girls from Katy Perry is also, like, California may be uh, unique enough that it's hard to find one song that defines the state. I would still say... You know, you're not just looking right now, but also looking forward. I think Cal- it's hard to find somebody who doesn't like. And I'm 38. I would I would bet that there's not a single person listening to us right now that doesn't like California Love, who's under the age of 45, right? So you got to project forward, like what song is going to end up being the iconic song. And I'm very confident that Country Roads is never getting replaced in West Virginia. Very confident Rocky Top is never getting replaced in Tennessee. Very confident that Sweet Home Alabama is not getting replaced in Alabama. I will say that California Love, I'm the least confident in, which is why it's number four overall on my list of iconic songs within the state. Not not music that everybody outside of the state knows, but are insanely popular inside the state. Tyler in Toledo. What's up, Tyler? I was got in a car accident calling you, so... I'm glad you're still alive. We need the ratings points. (laughs) Hey, um, live really close to Michigan, and you're spot on. But more than just that, I don't think that there's a a group of people in the state that identify more with a musical artist than the people of Michigan and Kid Rock. Oh, that's an interesting question. Well, first of all, it depends on, yeah, I mean, who, who you're talking about. Because as the average black guy in Detroit, like, man, Kid Rock represents me better than anybody. 
is the average white person in Michigan represented by Kid Rock better than any rock? That's that's an interesting question. Any musician that is re- like, oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, that's a, that, that opens up a whole other thing. The only other thing I was thinking about with Michigan is, I mean, isn't that kiss country? Like, I know that it's becoming generational. Like, nobody that's in in our age group now is really listening to Kiss, so I understand the Kid Rock thing just like I understand Tupac and Dre replacing the Beach Boys in California. I think generationally maybe the song changes unless it's something like a Rocky Top or a Sweet Home Alabama that's been played at every football game that every kid has gone to, and so it's kind of been ingrained in their psyche as well. I'm just trying to think right now. It's such a good question. I mean, I can think internationally. Like, I think of Ireland, and I think of U2. I think of New York City, honestly, and I think of Jay-Z. Iceland um, and Bjork. Uh, Bjork, where's Sweden? Iceland. Finland? Iceland? Eh. Uh, I don't really think much about Bjork, to be honest. I'm trying to think in America. Like, Jay-Z immediately comes to mind with New York. And obviously, horrible. when you when you make your song, I made a Yankee hat more famous than a Yankee did. I mean, I'm, he's really kind of... Im- in, in, defined himself by New York City. Honestly, it's Bruce Springsteen in New Jersey. I know you don't know a lot about Bruce, but that's the answer. Like, I don't think there's anything even close compared to that, actually. By far, it's Bruce Springsteen in your mind? I think so, yes. See, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't know anything about Bruce Springsteen. Like, I think I missed him. Like, are there that many people in their 30s who love Bruce Springsteen? Um, not a whole lot in their 30s, but I'll tell you what. There will be no sports columns written, you know, if sports writing isn't dead, based on your column from yesterday. But there will be no sports writing done the day Bruce Springsteen dies, because if you, there's not a single sports writer out there that doesn't talk about Bruce Springsteen on Twitter at least two or three times a week. Like yeah, when well, this happens, one, it's going to be a national week of mourning. I know nothing about Bruce Springsteen. Like I'm, I'm definitely one of those guys who. Did. So him in New Jersey, according to you, I, I got, I got nothing there. Tim in North Carolina. Tim, what's up? Well, hold on. Where in the world is Tim calling I had, from I had to right cut now? him off. I don't know. He was fine when I was talking to him, and then he decided he was going to head into an airplane hangar and speak <laughs> speak through the white courtesy is he phone. In Mammoth, is he in Mammoth Cave? Is he His in point the, was uh, Carolina on my mind by James Taylor in the state of North Carolina, which is not a bad one. I lived in North Carolina people, for a good while. People are trying to claim, a lot of people blowing up my Twitter feed from North and South Carolina claiming Sweet Caroline for the Carolinas. Yeah, I don't, I don't see not it accurate. that way. No. I mean, first of all, Sweet Caroline, I've said this before, is the white national anthem. <laughs> you play you play Sweet Caroline. This is back when I was talking about how good of a wedding DJ I would be. If you got a crowd of white people, Sweet Caroline, that and Journeys Don't Stop Believing are the two most famous songs ever created for white people. I mean, across the entire nation. You, if, you, if you're a black guy, you're a Hispanic guy, you're an Asian guy, and you're throwing a party, and you're like, I got some white relatives coming in. I don't know how to make, make them comfortable. You put on Sweet Caroline on your, on your mix, and they'll be like, My, they'll, they'll feel totally comfortable. I don't know what the other racist national anthems are right now, but I will tell you right now that every time I'm anywhere in a bar and Sweet Caroline comes up and you get the boop, 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 like white people just love that. I don't know why. And then Journeys Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, don't like, stop believing. I think is the answer. Actually, I think it no. might be higher up than Sweet Caroline. Sweet, Sweet Caroline, I think, because drunkenly with the little boop, 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 like people just like to do like their hand, like they're doing the symbols and stuff. I'm telling you, those two songs. If you had to pick, like right now, what songs do white people love more than anybody else? <laughs> Sweet Caroline and Journeys Don't Stop Believing. Number one, I think, is Sweet Caroline. Number two is Journeys Don't Stop Believing. But I'm not going to let South and North Carolina just sweep in here and say, "Oh, that's our song." No. 
you have nothing to do with that song, except for the fact that you might be white people in South Carolina and North Carolina. I honestly think of Boston. Yeah, with so that do I. Before you know, Carolina. Yeah, because so they I. do it with the Boston. But any, I think of white people, and Boston obviously is one of the whitest. <laughs> That's all you ever think about, Clay. No, no, I'm, I'm very culturally diverse. <laughs> I'm Racist. very culturally diverse. You do have a good point with the with the drunk white people thing. They they love that. Ba ba ba. Yeah. Oh, that's like the. I'm telling you right now. If you were like, let's let's say there's somebody driving in this weekend. He's like, man, I got like, let's say we got a black guy in California listening to us right now. And he's like, man, I just got this new gig. A little bit nervous about it. I'm going to be a wedding DJ for all these white people. I'm telling you right now. You just put don't you put journeys. Don't stop believing in your play mix. And then also uh, you put in Sweet Caroline. Now, I said this before. I firmly believe that all a wedding DJ needs to do is play two songs. Uh, and uh, Get Low by Flo Rida. That's the apple bottom jeans part with the boots with the furs. You're, you're set. Just play that on repeat. And Gin and Juice. I've never met anybody at a wedding who's under the age of 40 that when those songs come on, they don't like it. If you mix that in with Sweet Caroline and Don't Stop Believing by Journey, those four songs, bang, you're done. No other things to worry about if you're a wedding DJ. Uh, we will talk from here to John Morosi. You can tell me if you agree with me or what song is better national anthem for white people right now than Don't Stop Believing and Sweet Caroline. You can give me a different answer, but you're going to be wrong. And right now, I'd like for you all to pause, put your hand over your heart, and thank America for Kid Rock and his iconic summer song, All Summer Long. I am Clay Travis, and we'll be here all summer long, except for the next two weeks when I'm on vacation. Uh, but here, hanging out with you as we go into 4th of July weekend on Fox Sports Radio. Up next, John Morosi. What's going to happen in the uh, Home Run Derby? Are we going to get to see the two big iconic stars from the Dodgers and the Yankees lining up and trying to smash some dingers? We'll find out next on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over three grand off MSRP. This is a confident show, especially when we bring in John Morosi at John Morosi on Twitter, J-O-N. And John, what I love about the Major League Baseball season so far is Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judge and the fact that we may have, unbelievably, two different Rookie of the Years who also double as MVPs. Would you have ever believed anything like this was possible? Uh, Clay, certainly not when the season began. Uh, we have seen it before. It's been pretty rare when you've seen the Rookie of the Year MVP combo almost happened for Trout in, in 2012. It did happen for Ichiro uh, back in 2001 and Fred Lynn in the 1970s. But this is a rare, rare thing that's happening. And I think Judge, you would have to say in the American League, Clay, is, is the front runner. The, the Yankees, of course, are, are in a playoff position now. Uh, and it's really, I think, in large part because of him. And if they finish the year in a playoff spot, Clay, I, I really think that the narrative behind Judge uh, is, is going to be very strong, of course. Right now, they've got a number of injuries. They're dealing with Matt Holliday has landed on the BL, along with Starlin Castro and Aaron Hicks here just in the last week. So they really have had to rely on Judge in a, in a really profound way. And I think that, from a standpoint of how writers will look at it, that helps his argument, if you will. Bellinger certainly uh, is going to be a tough race, I believe, for him against Bryce Harper. Although, again, when you think about the narrative, which matters, uh, I think, to some voters, the context of it, 
Harper's team is the only one that's above 500, I believe, in their division right now in the National League East. Whereas Bellinger, it looks like his club, the Dodgers, will be engaged in a in a fairly fierce three-way race. Now, the Rockies have really struggled the last week and a half or so, uh, but I, I still think that's going to be a, a really, really strong race with three teams that eventually probably all go to the playoffs and become the wild cards. And Bellinger's going to be playing in huge games every night that really means something on a very nightly basis. So uh, you're right, Clay. It's, it is something that's very improbable in the game, but it's great for the game at the very least that they're in the discussion for all those awards. The All-Star Game voting ended last night, and the Home Run Derby, while it's not necessarily the equivalent of the NBA Slam Dunk Contest in terms of its ability to make stars, at least back in the day, it's certainly a signature event for Major League Baseball, and Bellinger and Judge in there as young and unknown, still relatively as they are, but also as incredible stories as they are both, it would seem to make sense to get them there. How does baseball go about making that happen? Do you think we'll see them there? And do you agree with me this is an opportunity to help create stars using the Home Run Derby? Well, it's a great point, Clay. And that's something where I, when baseball has the All-Star game going on, this is their showcase. This is the time in the sports calendar when, as you know, uh, football hasn't really started yet in, in a meaningful way. Uh, really, even free agency for, for the NBA uh, will be sort of wrapped up by the time that home run derby takes place. So the overall atmosphere of the country is favorable to make a big impression with your young guys. And I think that uh, certainly sports fans may know the names of Judge and Ballinger now, but they probably don't know all that much about them. And so I think that's where the derby, uh, which has a more relaxed environment than the game, which very consequentially does not have uh, ties to home field advantage any longer as of this year, that, that it does allow them to be introduced to the country from a standpoint of the marketing on a really personal level. So it's really important. Again, Bellinger and Judge are on baseball's list. Uh, we have not heard any official confirmation yet from the league about about their participation in it, but it looks very likely uh, that, that certainly at the very least there's been the, the invitations extended, and, and baseball is very hopeful uh, that, that they'll both participate. So it's, it is one of those things, too, Clay, where in the past we have seen players be concerned about the way that the Derby could potentially impact their swing in the second half. But the reality is uh, this has become home run derby every night in baseball because we're on pace for an all-time high, all-time record high, Clay, in home runs hit for a single season in baseball history. So those those high launch angle swings, if you will, that we talk so much about now in the game, uh, those are on display on a nightly basis. We're talking to John Morosi. Do you buy into the idea? Well, the last time we had home runs flying out like this, we found out that the players were all juicing. We should have known based on the bodies, but obviously that was a uh, kind of uh, just a mash ball era based on how much bigger and stronger guys were making themselves. Do you think the ball's juiced now? Like, why are so many home runs being hit? Uh, Clay, a lot of people in the game, especially pitchers, oddly enough, uh, believe that the ball has changed in recent years uh and, and it's not necessarily the the material and or chemical composition of it but rather you hear pitchers say they believe it's wound tighter which makes it harder which makes it fly further that's what they believe and uh, justin verlander came out recently in in the, in the last couple of weeks and made some very strong comments to that exact effect so uh do i believe the ball is different than it was three years ago I do. I do believe it's different. Uh, I think it's still legal. It's still within the acceptable range of what the ball 
supposed to be. Uh, but I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think we're seeing now increased velocity from pitchers, uh, which obviously, uh, by the laws of physics, results in further hit balls. Uh, we're seeing batters who are more cognizant of their launch angle, as I mentioned. Guys like Josh Donaldson and J.D. Martinez have sort of become the, the, the godfathers, if you will, of that school of thought on, on hitting the baseball. And, and I do think the ball is harder. And so when you add up all those factors, I, I think that that's, that is probably what is going on much more so than anything sinister from a PED standpoint. Trade deadline is coming up soon. Sonny Gray is out there. What other valuable players do you see on the marketplace that could be moving, and who do you expect to be active? Relatively small group play of, of elite-level or at least very good pitchers. Uh, Gray has been inconsistent since 2015, so I'm not sure if I put him in a category as a clear, strong, number one ace pitcher, you know, all, all capital letters. I'm not sure I view him quite that way, but – he is one of the handful of guys that has been a number one at the very least that, that will be available, I believe, here in the coming weeks. Uh, Gray, Garrett Cole from Pittsburgh, Jose Quintana with the White Sox most certainly is available, and he has pitched much better of late than he did earlier in the season. So that's a very good development there for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and then Justin Verlander in Detroit, uh, maybe not quite as overpowering this season, but he still has nights when he looks excellent. And he has a, a, a very, very good postseason track record, uh, notwithstanding uh, Sandoval's home runs there at the 2012 World Series. So I think those are probably the, the big four names on the, on the pitching side, if you will, among the starting pitchers. The Dodgers, I believe, are going to be very active. Uh, they, of course, lost their top prospect uh, on the pitching side, Julio Urias, for the season with shoulder surgery. And, uh, and so I expect they're going to be aggressive. Uh, they've got some concerns from the standpoint of the durability of Brandon McCarthy in their rotation, and really Rich Hill as well. So there are enough questions for the Dodgers, even as they've got their payroll play well in excess of $200 million. They're going to be very active on the starting pitching market for trade. Are the Pirates going to move McCutcheon, uh, or at least considering it? They are considering it. I do believe he's available as we speak. Uh, they are uh, actually further out of first place now than they were when they made the uh, – uh, the, the, the big trade last year from Mark Melanson to the Nationals, which worked out very well for them, by the way, because they got Felipe Rivera when that deal has been one of the best relievers in the game since then. But uh, McCutcheon is available. The only issue that I see, Clay, is that, is that there's a handful of teams that he really fits for, but they are on the fringe of the American League wildcard race. And if you're on the fringe of the wildcard race, I'm not sure how aggressively you're going to spend your prospects to get a, a, a marginally better chance at, at that one-and-done game. Uh, the Rangers are one team that I would mention in that category. Uh, they really need some help against lefty pitching, and, and McCutcheon, his OPS play is well above 1,000 against lefties. He is crushing lefties. And so he's a perfect fit for the Rangers, but they're right around 500 right now. And so I think they're trying to figure out who they are as a ball club and how aggressively they're going to be involved in the market. Uh, in terms of the trade deadline, and, and I do think if they do decide to become buyers, McCutcheon to Texas is one scenario we should all watch very, very closely. Last question for you. Dodgers' best record in the NL as we come up on the All-Star game break close to it. The Astros' best record in the AL. If I told you right now that you got to pick the World Series, would those be your teams or not? They would be, uh, and I know it's, it's easy to say it, uh, but here's, here's why. I think the top to bottom of the Dodgers have a better 
roster than the Nationals do. I think that they're, they're a more complete team as long as they add one more quality starting pitcher to join Kershaw. And I think they will because their, their farm system is good enough for them to do that. And I think the, the, the workload on Kershaw, who actually, by the way, Clay, has just as many postseason quality starts as does Madison Bumgarner since 2013. He's been very good. And I, I think a lot of people saw uh, a couple of rough outings against the Cardinals and thought, oh, my goodness, he's, uh, he's at his things at the playoffs. He's actually been really good. So I think Kershaw he just needs one more uh, co-ace or one more number two pitcher after him, and I'll, I'll love the Dodgers' chances. The Astros, similar situation. that They've got a very good farm system and, and, and therefore the ability and capacity to make some moves. But I'm, the one thing I'm worried about with them is Dallas Keuchel. Like, it has been a very, very long absence for him with this neck nerve issue, and, and there's been no real specific timetable mentioned. That makes me nervous with Keuchel for a pitcher that has been a Cy Young winner, Clay, and is so important to the Astros' success. Outstanding stuff as always. Go follow John Morosi on Twitter, my man. Enjoy the All Star break. I'm headed out of town for a couple weeks, so it'll be a couple weeks till I talk to you again. We'll see what happens uh, come uh, July. Sounds great. Safe travels and have a wonderful holiday weekend, Clay. That is John Morosi coming up next here. I'm going to tell you this. I'm told this is spectacular. Remember, we now have a voicemail line, 855-500-CLAY. You can call it at any time of the day, 855-500-CLAY. I don't hear any of these. They go to Jason Martin, and he has put together a collection of these for part of I Hate You, Clay Travis. You can also dial in 877-996-6369 for I Hate You, Clay Travis. Up next, incredible voicemails of people who hate me. I'm told these are fantastic, but first... Let's find out what's trending now. Welcome back. Fox Sports Radio Studios brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jay-Z's got a new album out today, right? Yesterday, whatever, sometime soon? I think so, anyway. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and, on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right, I haven't heard these at all, but we now have a voicemail line that you can call at any point. Eight seven seven, sorry, 855-500-CLAY. That's 855-500-CLAY-2529 is the last four digits. And a ton of you have already called. Jason Martin went through, collated his favorite, and we're about to debut the voicemail line, which is going to become part of the show. You can react to me all 24 hours of the day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. And here we go with the debut. Swear to God, Clay, if I ever see you on the street. America, it's time for your favorite segment. I hate you, Clay Travis! Oh, you haven't heard of it? It's really simple. Basically, you get to on Clay like this. I hate you, Clay Travis. This is the stupidest thing that probably you said in about six months. I hate you, Clay Travis, with your elfin size five shoes. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. I hate you, Clay Travis. <laughs> now here's Clay. You, Travis. I mean, I hate you, Clay Travis. You want to hate me, then hate me. What can I do? Are we ready? Closet racist, alt-right weed like Clay Travis have a national platform. I am so sick of hearing him spew his bullshit on air for three hours a day. I'd rather drag my balls through ten miles of broken glass than to listen to that 
asshole, say another f***ing word. By the way, Clay, if you ever bring your ass to Raleigh, I'll drop you like a hammer on a nail, bitch. <laughs> so we're big in Raleigh, North Carolina? Huge oh. in Raleigh. Oh, huge in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, man. That's a pretty strong debut there. Are we even on in Raleigh, North Carolina? Is he listening on satellite? Do you have an affiliate <laughs> in Raleigh? We, we do have an affiliate in Raleigh, I'm pretty yeah. sure, in the tri-area there. All right, well, good morning, Raleigh. Happy 4th of July. All right, what's up next? What we got? Are you serious, man? Parker said, Pistol Pete here. He's talking about Kid Rock, and he doesn't know who Bruce Springsteen is, the boss. And he's saying, I've been to a couple Kid Rock concerts. Well, you want to know why Clay is gay? Because he listens to Kid Rock. Are you kidding me? Parker said, Pistol Pete here. I'm just appalled, and I cannot believe that he said this. Doesn't know who the boss is, but he listens and has been to Kid Rock concerts. Then he said, I seen Kid Rock at his strip clubs. First of all, people that go to strip clubs don't admit that they go to strip clubs. So that's one telltale sign that you don't go to strip clubs and... If you saw Kid Rock at a strip club, you were probably at a gay strip club. Percocet Pistol Pete, I'll call back later, man. I got to do some work. I'm kind of in love with that guy. I'm not going to lie. Percocet Pistol Pete may have just become my favorite caller. We need to play that back. I, there was so much going on in that call. First of all, I don't even know how he talks that slow. Must have been sipping on some syrup. Let's hear that again. Are you serious, man? Parker said, Pistol Pete here. He's talking about Kid Rock, and he doesn't know who Bruce Springsteen is, the boss. And he's saying, I've been to a couple Kid Rock concerts. Well, you want to know why Clay is gay? Because he listens to Kid Rock. Are you kidding me? Parker said, Pistol Pete here. I'm just appalled, and I cannot believe that he said this doesn't know who the boss is but he listens and has been to Kid Rock concerts then he said I've seen Kid Rock at his strip clubs first of all people that go to strip clubs don't admit that they go to strip clubs so that's one telltale sign that you don't go to strip clubs and if you saw Kid Rock at a strip club you were probably at a gay strip club. Percocet Pistol Pete. I'll call back later, man. I got to do some work. It's just a work of art. I mean, an absolute work of art. Let's go to number three. Clay Travis, you obviously sit down to pee. That's it? That's the whole message. <laughs> you know what? Full confession. I do sometimes sit down when I pee. And I do it because in the middle of the night, I don't want to pee all over the place. I'm a married guy, and the last thing I want to do is have to deal with the fact that I've peed all over the place, and I can't blame it on my kids in the middle of the night. My wife would be like, who peed all over the seat and didn't clean it up? I'm like, I must have been one of my kids. One of the kids, you know those boys, they don't know how to control their penis. They just pull their – I almost said the wrong word there. They just pull their penis out, and they spray <laughs> pee. They spray pee all over the place. Might have been me, to be honest, but I always blame the kids. Can't do that in the middle of the night. Wasn't one of the kids. So, yeah, sometimes I do sit down to pee. Full confession. Clay, I got a big issue with this four for four at Wendy's. 
Everybody acts like it's a big f***ing deal, that it's four for four. You get your junior bacon, the fry, the drink, and the nuggets for $4. But it's really a bunch of bullshit because when I was a kid, junior bacon cheeseburgers were 99 cents, and now they're $1.89. So really, you just have to get your food when I just want my junior bacon cheeseburger for 99 cents that used to exist. This is price gouging. People are getting snowed. The sheep are out there. People need to wake the f*** up. The four for four is not a good deal. Of all the things I thought people were going to call in and complain about, the Wendy's four for four special, here's my deal with Wendy's. All right? I don't like to call people racist, but I think Wendy's might be racist because I don't know why the chocolate frosty alone was not enough. I have tried that vanilla frosty, and it tastes the exact same as the chocolate frosty. I think white people got to Wendy's and they were like, we don't want to be eating a brown Frosty. We need a white Frosty to eat. Or maybe vice versa. I'm not sure exactly how the racism works here. My point, pretty straightforwardly here, is one brown Frosty was perfect. I don't know who got to Wendy's and said you need a vanilla Frosty. Bad idea. It's the same exact treat. Delectable frozen treat. I love the Frosty. But whoever gets a vanilla Frosty, I, I, it's an indefensible move. That's my only complaint about Wendy's. All right, what we got next? Hey, Clay, this is Dino from San Diego, California. I don't hate you, and I don't think you're gay, but I think you're a f***ing nut. Last, uh, what, yesterday when you were talking about women being not as good as men, your email box had to be full. But I'll tell you what, you know where we f***ed up is when we let them smoke and we let them drink. We should have or we let them smoke and we let them vote. That's where we messed up. We should have never let women do that. Don't always agree with what you're talking about on the show, but I, you're the only thing that's good on at 4 o'clock in the morning out here on the West Coast, so I'm kind of stuck with you. You're the best of the worst. Be cool, bro. So that guy called in to make the argument that the world went askew when we allowed women to smoke and vote. That's a yeah, hell of an argument. Suffrage. Women's suffrage. Women's suffrage. Every, every, everything since women were allowed to vote has been all downhill in America. Smoking, too. When did we let women smoke? Was it before or after we let women uh, vote? <laughs> I don't know. We're just out I'll here dominating. I also love you're the best thing on the radio. You're the best thing you're on the, the best radio. You're the worst. I love that line. Well, also, the, we're on at 4 a.m. in San Diego. So he's like, you're the best thing on the radio at 4 a.m. That's a hell of an argument to make. These are amazing. Is that all of them that you've collated? That's all I pulled for, for round one. All right, so that is round one. You can let us know what you thought of those. 855-996-6369. Amazing, amazing clips there. That is the voicemail line that you can call at any minute of any day and say anything. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Greatest song inside of a state that defines a state in the country. My power rankings, Country Roads, number one, West Virginia. Rocky Top, number two, Tennessee. Sweet Home, Alabama, number three, Alabama. Number four, California Love in California. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. I'll tell you this right now. This voicemail caller line is maybe going to be the greatest thing that we've ever done on this show. We haven't done very much good, so that's not necessarily it's kind of damning the show with faint praise. But this thing's going to be incredible. If you just heard that, get ready for what the fall is going to be like. 855-500-CLAY. That number, 855-500-2529. Plug it in your phone. Call us at any point. 
Got to give credit to Jason Martin for the brilliance there. And it's just going to get better and better, I feel like. What was your reaction when you had started listening to these calls? Well, I mean, I had to get through some some garbage there, and there's some people that don't understand apparently how to leave a voicemail. Uh, it's real simple. There's a beep after I finish talking, and then that's where you talk. And I've actually <laughs> – here's the other thing about this. A lot of voicemail deals, you have like 60 seconds. I talked to the people at the company where I set this up. You have a 10-minute potential availability to you. So you can just flat out go off. And it's good en- if it's good enough, we'll turn it into a segment. I mean, we'll turn your voicemail into a segment. But, I mean, it was hilarious. And per- I'm telling you, Percocet Pistol Pete had me on the floor. I was listening to it at home, and I listened to it like five times because I could not stop. It was so daggone funny, and I hope that he calls every day, and he may be my favorite human being on the planet right now. All right, let's. Put, how long is that full the, the full voicemail segment, Justin? How long is that? Do we have time? What I'm asking is, do we have time to play everything again? It's not that long. It's only a couple minutes. All right, let's together. play it again right now as we take you into the July 4th weekend. Again, I want to tease this because this is going to be pretty awesome for the show. We now have a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year voicemail line where you can call and leave me a message no matter what's going on. 855-500-2529. That's 855-500-CLAY-CLAY. And here is the debut of those calls that we got all yesterday. How does a closet racist, alt-right dickweed like Clay Travis have a national platform? I am so sick of hearing him spew his bullshit on air for three hours a day. I'd rather drag my balls through ten miles of broken glass than to listen to that hole say another word. By the way, Clay... If you ever bring your ass to Raleigh, I'll drop you like a hammer on a nail, bitch. Are you serious, man? Parker said, Pistol Pete here. He's talking about Kid Rock, and he doesn't know who Bruce Springsteen is, the boss. And he's saying, I've been to a couple Kid Rock concerts. Well, you want to know why Clay is gay? Because he listens to Kid Rock. Are you kidding me? Parker said, Pistol Pete here. I'm just appalled, and I cannot believe that he said this. Doesn't know who the boss is, but he listens and has been to Kid Rock concerts. Then he said, I've seen Kid Rock at his strip clubs. First of all, people that go to strip clubs don't admit that they go to strip clubs. So that's one telltale sign that you don't go to strip clubs and... If you saw Kid Rock at a strip club, you were probably at a gay strip club. Percocet pissed pee. I'll call back later, man. I got to do some work. Clay Travis, you obviously sit down to pee. Clay, I got a big issue with this four for four at Wendy's. Everybody acts like it's a big fucking deal that it's four for four. You get your junior bacon, the fry, the drink, and the nuggets for $4. But it's really a bunch of bullshit because when I was a kid... Junior bacon cheeseburgers for 99 cents, and now they're $1.89. So really, you just have to get your food when I just want my junior bacon cheeseburger for 99 cents that used to exist. This is price gouging. People are getting snowed. The sheep are out there. People need to wake the up. The four for four is not a good deal. Hey, Clay. This is Tino from San Diego, California. I don't hate you, and I don't think you're gay, but I think you're a fucking nut. Last, uh, what, yesterday when you were talking about women being not as good as men, your email box had to be full. But I'll tell you what, you know where we f***ed up? 
is when we let him smoke and we let him drink. We should have never, we let him smoke and we let him vote. That's where we messed up. We should have never let women do that. Don't always agree with what you're talking about on the show, but I, you're the only thing that's good on at 4 o'clock in the morning out here on the West Coast, so I'm kind of stuck with you. You're the best of the worst. Be cool, bro. That is fantastic stuff. Again, 855-500-CLAY is that text, uh, sorry, the call line there for voicemail. Been an incredible week. I hope you guys are going to have a fantastic 4th of July. Hopefully you'll be bumping all summer long by Kid Rock, Beethoven of our time, future, great song that's going to be defining the state of Michigan for years and years to come. I am going to be out. I don't take any vacation during football season. This is the first real vacation I've taken since we started the show. I am flying to London this afternoon with my kids. Pray for me. They're 9, 6, and 2, in case you don't know. And I'll be out for two weeks. I'll be out for two weeks, so I won't be back until Game of Thrones has come back on your television screens. I'll be back on July 17th. We'll have new, fresh shows every day, but you'll be without me. Cry yourself to sleep tonight if you must. I am Clay Travis. Thank you guys for coming and hanging out with us. Call that line and leave your voicemail messages on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.